Welcome to We Are Already Free, a podcast helping down-to-earth seekers and free people to live their truth and be the change. If you're done with being disempowered by the things you can't change, if you're ready to spend your one precious life growing a beautiful world with the people you love, then welcome home, friend. (laughs) If you ever worry about what you should be eating or how you should be living to be a healthy human, this episode is for you. We start off by diving right into how today's guest, Brian Sanders of Food Lies, tragically lost both his parents to Alzheimer's and cancer nine years ago, even though they were people who followed all the mainstream guidelines. This started him on a deep dive into self-discovery about the root causes of modern diseases and the simple solutions related to diet and lifestyle. In this episode, we cover what broke the matrix for Brian two years ago. I'll give you one guess. Why there's a whole half of this world out there who the mainstream just doesn't talk about. You're not alone. This is a beautiful reminder of that. How the pillars for being a healthy homo sapien can help you to thrive. Why our dietary guidelines are so very wrong. The three refined ingredients you should definitely be avoiding. And towards the end, how we can, at least some of the ways that we might be able to feed the world. And there's honestly so much more. If I I list it all out, you'll be here till the end of the episode. So yeah, please enjoy. It's going to be, it's an epic one. I really enjoyed the conversation with Brian. And before we get into that, just a, a few more things. One is that you can visit the show notes for all the links to Brian, to Food Lies, uh, which is a documentary that he's making that looks absolutely amazing. I've linked to the intro to that and to how you can pre-buy the film and, and a bunch of other stuff, really pretty much everything we talk about. Just go to alreadyfree.me forward slash zero one one. That's zero one one alreadyfree.me forward slash zero one one. Why do I have a zero in these numbers? You may have noticed it's like the other episodes. Why a zero one one? Why not just one one? It's because I'm dedicated to this podcast having hundreds and hundreds of episodes. So I'm thinking in the future, we'll just have episode one, 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 et cetera. Anyway, side note, but uh, it's my commitment to this beautiful remembrance that we are sharing together in this podcast. So uh, yes, for this one, alreadyfree.me forward slash zero one, one. You'll also find information there on how you can leave a review and you'll be able to share with a friend or a loved one. Also using my affiliate links to support the podcast. Uh, you can leave me a voice note. You can join a live Breathwork and Heart Songs online gathering. Take the morning practice challenge. If you don't have a morning practice right now, it's one of the most powerful ways that I have found to move the needle in the direction of sovereignty, of self-empowerment, of activation, of being the change I want to see in the world. And you can also easily comment on the episodes themselves find all the show notes, talk to other listeners. All of those links are available at alreadyfree.me forward slash zero one one. Now, as we are about to step into this, I would just like to invite you wherever you are, whether you're driving or you're washing the dishes or you're walking your dog or you're on a run or you snuggle on the couch, whatever you're doing, just to slow it down for a moment and take a few deep breaths. So I'm going to ask you to just put, if you can, put a hand on your belly, otherwise just Noticing how your breath is moving in your body in this moment and then slowing it down, taking a beautiful breath into your belly, softening the belly and then slowing the out breath and releasing. You can even sigh it out. Taking another breath, letting it go. 
One more long, slow breath. And relax. And allowing your breath to return to its natural rhythm. Just coming into this moment. This is something I'd like to do more consistently just to support us in returning to this present moment. I don't know if you know this, but the word spirit, the root of the word spirit, simply means to breathe. So we have this really beautiful way of immediately accessing spirit in the present moment. Let me know how you feel about that by connecting with me after the episode. But for now, please enjoy this conversation with a dear brother, Brian Sanders of Food Lies. <laughs> All right. Well, well, thank you so much for coming on to, to the We Are Already Free podcast. I really enjoy what you share and having now looked a bit more into you for this, this conversation. Um, I know you actually primarily through your Food Lies Instagram, food.lies, I think it is. And just really enjoy what you share around food. And I think in this time, there's this massive disparity between what the sort of mainstream culture, the media, the institutions are saying, this is what you should be eating to be healthy. And yet we have more sick, unwell, overweight, diseased people than pretty much ever, I think. And so I'd love to hear the story of what you got you started on your path to, I guess, holistic health and to eating in a way that supports your actual vibrance and health as a human. Absolutely. I do definitely focus on food, but it's, it's like the whole lifestyle, really. And it was a nine-year journey. And actually, to, to comment on what you're talking about, it's so bad that it must be, it, like, it's just so bad, it seems like it, it's fake. You know what I mean? Like, they, they got yeah. things so wrong that I, I don't even believe that they think that this is real information. It's, and that they got almost everything exactly backwards. So it's almost like you do the opposite of what they say. But anyway, we'll get into all that. My, I, I got here, well because I followed all the guidelines. Nine years ago, I lost both of my parents and they followed all the guidelines. So that really set me on this path is I saw them lose their health slowly and then and no one helped them. The doctors didn't have any answers. They just told them to do more of the same. I realized now that they had undiagnosed prediabetes, um, which... Actually, the CDC admits that nine out of 10 people who have prediabetes don't know it, right? So we're so bad at, at recognizing disease and the doctors don't even know the right tests or no one cares or they're just feeding people more medications. It's, it's just a huge nightmare. So they were one of those 90% of people who didn't even know they had a problem. Uh, my mom's Alzheimer's, my dad cancer. People don't realize these are diseases of our modern lifestyle. A lot of people think it's just genetic which again is totally bogus. Like, yes, there's some, you know, small percentage of genetics that, that matter. But even if you do have the like sort of, you know, poor genetics, that doesn't mean you have to express those genes and, you know, actually get sick and die from these things. You have control. So, so yeah, I realized that the, this these things that they they passed from were from their diet and lifestyle. And then we got it wrong. And I had noticed that in myself when I was 30, because this is when it happened. I'm 39 now. 
I couldn't just kind of go along eating the same way and living the same way that I had been. You can kind of get away with it when you're younger and then it catches up to you. And so it caught up to me. I was carrying around extra weight, extra fat, extra inflammation, had all these problems, joint pains and uh, chronic overuse injuries from the computer and allergies and acid reflux and all these things you just think are normal, right? You just take all these prescription medications, over-the-counter medications. You're just like, oh, well, I guess I can't play sports anymore. I'm, I'm 30. Like I can't go on hikes anymore because, you know, my knees are hurting. And then I just made a few simple changes in my diet and everything reversed. All that stuff went away. My allergies even went away. People don't even believe me, you know? It's like I went for a lifetime of allergies to none. And so that woke me up, right? That like pulled me out of the matrix a bit. That got me like halfway out of the matrix. And I went on this journey. So it's been a slow nine-year journey. Six years ago, I kind of just quit my job. I, I started as a mechanical engineer. Grew up in Hawaii, went to UCLA, degree in mechanical engineering, you know, thought I was, you know, just gonna just have the corporate life and move up the chain and do all that stuff. Uh, hated it, got out of it got into some tech, tried to do my own thing, get in the tech world, you know, design some apps, websites for people to, to do it for myself, work for other people. Again, just it, it wasn't fulfilling. And then I finally stumbled on this health stuff. So six years ago, I made it my full-time job to make the Food Lies film, which is now a six-part documentary series, do my podcast, Peak Human, do everything else that I do just on my own. Um, a lot of it goes against all the guidelines it gets pretty much directly opposite of what the mainstream tells you to do in all ways and yeah and, and in the past couple of years the past two and a half years i've gotten i guess fully out of the matrix you could say and realized that it wasn't just the food system is backwards and the medical system is backwards it's like there's the whole world is kind of backwards and and so, yeah, that's where I'm at today. Hmm. I so deeply relate to that idea of like the little chips falling where it's like, oh, this little thing doesn't make sense. Oh, I guess it's just the dietary stuff or, and then, oh no, actually that thing actually also doesn't make sense. With, oh no, actually that thing too. And it's like, it's one of the reasons I think it's so hard for people who are fully invested in reality as it's been shown to us or told to us by our society is that they have this experience that if they question one little thing, like the, the even the dietary pyramid, for example, or I don't know, there's so many examples of the education system mm -hmm. or governmental systems. If they just question one little thing, suddenly the whole, the whole, um, structure starts to shake and starts to crumble in the way that you've been expressing. It does. And it really came crashing down. That's exactly like I said, you know, it was a nine year journey. Then it was six years when I got fully invested. Then I'm telling you two and a half years ago, I'm like nothing makes sense. Nothing that's going on makes sense. <laughs> and so I had to figure out more. And then that's when it like, yeah, it really crumbles away when, when you start asking the right questions. Hmm. Well, I'd love to hear a little more about that. Like, what was the thing? I mean, maybe I know, but two and a half years ago, what <laughs> really kind of like broke the matrix for you? <laughs> well, yeah, because I did kind of just trust. I always knew that 
uh, yeah, like politics are pretty bogus and the, the news is pretty stupid and stuff. But then I, I was still like going along with things, right? Like I was on program and I was just like, oh yeah. Then it, obviously it was this COVID stuff. When the, the, everything they were saying didn't line up with the reality, it's like I knew that there was healthy things you could do, like go outside and get vitamin D from the sun and exercise. And they were saying, and I was living in Venice Beach and all the outside, not only the beaches were closed, they they shut down the actual beaches, which I didn't think you could even do. You could not <laughs> get access to the beach. There was cops, there was like barriers. And uh, not only was that closed, I mean, every gym was closed, obviously. The pool was closed. I live in this apartment complex. I just wanted to get some sun out by the pool. Couldn't do that. The outdoor equipment was closed. They chained up. They managed to chain up every inch of a pull-up bar so you couldn't do a pull-up. So they sent out all these government workers to chain up every square inch of every pull-up bar in the state of California. And I, I, I just, just all this stuff is just it's so backwards. You know, you could get into so many more details about the, the policies that didn't make sense and staying home and all this stuff. I actually was dating this nurse girl at, at the time. She was working in a downtown LA hospital. She was on the COVID unit. Hmm. She was working that that. And she was telling me a different story that I was hearing on the news from day one. She's just like, ah, it's not overflowing over around here. You know, Th this is just her personal experience. Maybe there's other hospitals that were overflowing. She was there the whole time in this certain hospital in downtown LA. Not a problem. She's like, yeah, the only people I see, there's like a few like very, very sick old people. And uh, yeah, of course, yeah, they're not doing well. And she, but she wasn't even wearing a mask. She she got in trouble for not wearing a mask, like in the COVID unit. Like she just <laughs> wasn't about it, and she just wouldn't really wear the correct equipment the whole time. And it was just very interesting to me to get that insight. And then she would come home every day after working there, and I would just hang out with her. Wasn't you know what I mean? Like. I, I don't know if we're going off on a tangent that, that people may or may not care about, but it just woke me up. Like I didn't do any precaution. I did, I washed my hands less in the last two yeah. and a half years. Like I, <laughs> like I never had a mask. Like I would like someone gave me a, I, there was a dirty bandana, this yellow bandana that someone had in their trunk. And like, I had to get in an Uber once or like go to the grocery store. And I like tie this dirty bandana that was in someone's trunk around my face like halfway <laughs> around my face and just like go into the store and and just like take it off like i just i don't know i don't know if i'm going down some rabbit holes you don't want to go down but it was <laughs> it was a wild two and a half years that i did the exact opposite i i never washed my hands i got together with people every single weekend <laughs> and everyone i know it's fine and i don't know it's like these are the healthiest people i know all the people i know who did this have the strongest immune systems where everyone's doing well. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're saying is really valid for, for anyone to hear who like us, who's kind of just seen a different story in it all, you know, and I think I'm definitely keen to focus on some more things as we go in around, around diet and food and really how we can empower ourselves in those ways. But I think this topic is so critical. I actually, I saw a post on Twitter recently that I had to reply to because someone said something along the lines of, you know, um, what did they say? Don't call people who haven't ever tested positive for COVID unicorns because they probably washed their hands regularly, masked up, stayed distance. They probably did everything right. Like you, you know, you, there's reasons why that happened. And like, I just had to reply to that. I was like, well, 
or some of us, we hugged more people than ever. We hung out as much as possible. We wore a mask as little as possible. We connected into, and we are absolutely fine, like me and every single person I know who did that. So <laughs> I think there's like it, the the sheer madness of the mass psychosis that that where the reality that I experienced was and what you experienced was so clearly different on every level to what we were told, and it came down to me and I, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this, but to the simple fact that we actually know what it takes to be to be resilient, healthy humans, and and that's why I'm curious to hear from you how how you do that in your own life from a dietary or or any other perspectives actually. Well, that's exactly what it was, was that everyone I know, especially since I moved to Austin, I'm here now. It's it's sort of a, I think it's an amazing time in history that we'll look back on like these people, these gathering place of healthy people that wanted to take health into their own hands and reject all the, you know, guidelines and bogus information. It is unbelievable. Hundreds and, well, I mean, I just know personally hundreds of people that, they, same thing you just said. They've never hugged so many people in the past two and a half years, <laughs> never done anything different except go, you know, get themselves out there, you know, interact with people more, all that stuff. And I, I, it really is a whole group of people that I guess it's just an opposite paradigm of health, mm-hmm. right? It's that we know that there are dietary and lifestyle factors that are far more important than anything you can do. And maybe, maybe even if a mask could, you know, help like a tiny, tiny bit, it's like, well, who cares? It's it's 0.05% better. Like I get it. If you sneeze on someone, if there's something in your way, I get that. <laughs> but, you know, in, in reality, that's not how masks work in any way. But still, it's okay. Say it's 0.05% better. There's things that you can do with your diet and lifestyle that can move the needle 80%, 90% better. And it was great to see people actually turn their lives around who weren't awake to this before. I have a friend that he was 60 pounds overweight, you know, didn't listen to my podcast, didn't care about me. He just turned on two summers ago. He lost 60 pounds in like eight months, completely changed his life. He started doing jujitsu. He's out there rolling around with people, you know, like as close contact as you can. He's like, this is so <laughs> strange. Everyone, no one at my gym cares about germs. You know, he was in the beginning, he was like washing everything down, doing all these things. And then he just flipped the switch. He's like, oh my God, there's a whole other world out there. And I actually did travel a lot during the last two and a half years. It was great. The planes were empty. <laughs> Everyone was <laughs> at home. I'm, I'm seriously on empty planes. And there's a whole half of the world out there that, that was living a different reality. And I don't think no one knows about them. Like I'm in the middle, I was in Arkansas. I was in the middle of like, you know, random place in Arkansas. They just, no one did COVID. They just didn't do it. I went to Tanzania in Africa. No one did it. No one told them it was happening. The president was just like, no, nah, we're not doing it. I, we visited hospitals. We visited clinics. No one was there. Empty. It's not like, oh, there's, I heard some narrative like, oh yeah, they're just not counting all the people who are dying. <laughs> I was there because we, we, we were doing interviews for my film and trying to get to these doctors. But there's no one there. They, they were jammed. These people were jammed into buses. There was like, these little vans that's supposed to see, you know, like eight person vans, they're like 20 people, like people are hanging out the sides. No math, no nothing. There's a whole alternate reality that some people did not know about. And generally, actually, these people in Africa were healthy. They're eating whole foods. They're living 
what we're going to be talking about is I call it the sapien diet and lifestyle. It's what homo sapiens are supposed to do. This is what they were doing. They were just out there living their life. They, they couldn't even, they don't af- they can't afford processed foods over yeah, there. Man. In the U.S. and other westernized places, the processed foods are the cheapest, right? It's just like the worst, cheapest food. Over there, the cheapest food is what you grow, right? Like you, or what your buddy sells you or what the lady sells on the side of the corner. You get a banana, it's like two cents for a banana. Mm-hmm. You know, like a bag of Doritos would cost like, whatever, a dollar fifty. Like they're, they're not going to pay a dollar fifty for a bag of Doritos. Like that's insane. So these people are living well and they're fine. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the, the pillars of just this concept of just being a homo sapien again, I, I think it's really, there's just like kind of four things. And this is not new information to a lot of people, but we can dive deeper on the nutrition side. But it is just food. It's nutrition is number one, I think. Because I've seen so many people change all kinds of things in their life and nothing has been more powerful than changing their diet. Like you don't even have to exercise. You don't have to do anything differently. You just change what you eat. You can radically change your health, change your weight, change your life. So food matters most. What comes in contact with your body the most. I mean, just picture it's like pounds and pounds of food every single day that go into your body, interact with your gut, affects your blood sugar, affects your metabolism. Like this is the biggest factor. Um, then there's just movement, right? There's food, there's movement. You got to do some type of movement. That's just natural to being a homo sapien is we moved, we walked, we sprinted, we climbed, you know, we lifted things. So uh, going outside, just sun, nature, and then sleep. And I think sleep is so important. Uh, That's like actually one of the things I don't give on. Like I don't let slip. A lot of people let slip. You can let slip. Oh, I didn't out this week that's okay oh, okay i had a piece of pizza it was someone's birthday had a piece of pizza. great i don't care i'll do that i don't let sleep slip it's like i'm getting my eight hours if something goes wrong i got six hours guess who's taking a nap you know like, <laughs> I, i'm there i'm there so yeah i mean if you want to go into food or you know i'll let you jump in yeah, man. Well, it's so interesting that you say around uh, sleep because I just had Sean the Viking Zimmer on the podcast a few weeks ago. I don't know if you're aware of him, but he's a legend, man, like such an epic Canadian. Same vibe, like in the lockdowns, he actually said how he was sad that he didn't have a shop because he wished he had something to keep open, you know, that he could show like this is bullshit. <laughs> and so what he did was he used to run boot camps. He's a super strong like health coach and he opened up his backyard that was very publicly visible and he just kept it open throughout. And and when I asked him about, you know, like what's one thing someone can do to kind of move the needle on health? And he's, he was like, he's like, sleep, dude, get good sleep. So it's, that seems to be a really powerful message that's coming through at the moment. And, and yeah, I hear you on, on everything you're saying around food. And so, so some years ago, I was really into the whole veganism thing and specifically even raw veganism, although I was never like too intense about that. I, I worked in that industry for a few years. A lot of my friends were involved in that industry. In fact, some of them were leaders in that industry. And, and so there were these books like the China study where they proved that like, you know, everyone who ate plants was better and everyone who ate meat was sick. And then the blue zone studies that showed these seven or eight places around the world where everyone who just eats plants or primarily plants lives way older. And, and then what I'm now learning or what I now that the way I eat now, I mean, it's completely, it's probably the way that you would recommend. And I'm curious to know, like, what is this ideal human diet and how do we know 
what information to trust when there are things like blue zones and and stuff like that. Yes, I love this stuff. Even the China study, I love, you can debunk the China study in one little anecdote. They <laughs> left out the Tuoli province, T-U-O-L-I province, conveniently left out of the China study or the book that was written about the China study, that they ate the most meat and they lived the longest and were the healthiest. So it, it just didn't fit the narrative. So of course they just left it out, but it actually just dismantles the entire thesis that it, it was the, the eating plant base that helped these people. Not at all. Hmm. Not at all. Completely debunked. You could read Denise Minger. If anyone wants to just search online, Denise Minger, China study. She wrote pages and pages and pages on this. Same thing with blue zones. It's, 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 it's debunked. I visited uh, some of them. Um, Mary Ruddick, who's a great nutritionist, went to Africa with me and been to a lot of these. Oh, I could go on forever about how there. This is not what was actually happening. There's a guy Dan Butner that wrote the Blue Zones that went out to try to prove his his thesis, his bias, his agenda that it was plant based. So he searched for conveniently, you know, didn't see all the other animal products they were eating and chose to see what he wanted to see. Or he even went during times of year when they didn't. They were on Lent, right? And they did give up animal products for a short period. And then he's like, oh, look, no one's eating animal food. <laughs> it's like Icaria is one of them in Greece. Mary was just there sending me all these videos. It's like they eat every part of the animal. They are eating like all the organs. They're eating all the lamb. You know, they're, they're, they have tons. It's an island. So it's not like they have giant. They don't have cows a lot, but they just eat red meat. They have goats and lamb and chickens and fish. And they're just eating this nonstop, the whole thing. Nose to tail, they're eating it all. So this is kind of leading to what's the ideal diet, right? What's the ideal human diet? And it's not just one diet, it's a framework. And why that's a good intro to that is because this concept is because you could say, hey, this is doesn't make any sense because there's these plant-based people that are healthy. And then there's and then you're saying that meat-based is healthy. This doesn't make sense. And so you have to go through. All of, you have to like understand nutrition better and understand diets better to make sense of it all, right? Because it does seem conflicting. And I understand why people think it's so confusing because it seems opposite. But during the journey, it took me a few years, actually many years to figure it out and kind of make sense of it all that, oh no, there, there are these consistent things between these two diets. And like, what are all the good diets and Good, and populations throughout history who've had many different diets, depending on when in history and where you lived and where you are on the globe, to what you ate. And why, And there are consistencies in what did these people all do good and what did they all leave out? Like, what were they, right? And I don't know if Weston A. Price has come up on your show, but he's a, a dentist that traveled around the world almost 100 years ago to study the healthiest populations. Because he was in Ohio in, a, in the U.S. And he's just like, well, why is everyone losing their teeth? Like, this doesn't make sense. If humans just lost their teeth and their cavities and meant, messed up jaws and all this stuff, we wouldn't have gotten here, right? That's like, it's so important to eat food. And so he went around the world and found people with amazing teeth. And they, and I saw these people in Africa, full, big jaws, all their teeth, no toothbrushes, obviously, no uh, dentists, no orthodontists. Like, they live in grass huts. And they had amazing teeth was because of their diet. And so he kind of did tell the story of what did all these people that were super healthy 
do that was the same, even though they were in completely different parts of the world, right? Completely isolated people 100 years ago, completely isolated. They could not send even a letter to these places. They were not connected. They all did certain things in common and they all left certain things out. And all of this has actually been proven out in the science in the last 100 years. So it's not like I'm just saying, oh, there's this dentist that traveled around the world and he knew everything. It's all been proven since. And this is basically what I do. This is what I've done for the past six years while I've been making the film is just getting into like every angle of this, making sure it's correct. Like I didn't really care what the optimum diet was. I wasn't like a carnivore person or something, you know, six years ago when I started doing this. I, I mean, I certainly wasn't a vegan person, but I didn't really have this idea of like, okay, I'm going to set out to prove, you know, I want to eat meat all day and that's what I'm going to prove. No, this was all just kind of how it shook out. So what these people all did in common, and he, we're talking about from like Australia to Micronesia to the top of the Swiss Alps to Africa, all these people, they ate animal foods nose to tail, right? They ate the whole thing, especially around pregnancies even. And they would eat liver, they would eat the organs, they would eat all the fat, they would eat grass-fed raw dairy, like they would make dairy, you know, whatever cheeses and yogurts out of the, the fresh raw dairy butter. They ate seafood, they would eat mollusks and shellfish, they'd eat the whole animal, they'd eat eggs. All these things, all these completely dis different people and cultures around the world would do the same thing. And they, they knew that this was the foundation of nutrition. They did it around pregnancies too. They would have special diets around, you know, when even the man would, even before they wanted to conceive, they would start eating these special diets. And so interesting that they all figured this out independently. Well, humans are smart, right? We, we were smarter about our surroundings and our diet for thousands and hundreds of thousands of years. Now we're smart around computers and all, you know, doing Excel sheets and, you know, whatever, <laughs> smartphones. They were, they were intelligent based on their surroundings, what to eat, noticing what people ate. Like, huh, this person, you know, she, like, they, this family was poor. They had no access to animal foods. They couldn't afford it. They had to eat a bunch of bread. And man, they got sick all the time. Their kid was underweight. He had messed up teeth. His, his even like, you know, malformed limbs if, in extreme cases. And they figured it out, right? It, it, it's not actually rocket science to figure out if like these nutritional deficiencies when you don't get enough animal foods. So they did all those practices pretty consistently around animal-based nutrition. And what they left out is they didn't eat the three refined ingredients, sugar, flour, and oil. And these are the ingredients that would be shipped in and traded. And so a lot of these societies weren't contacted by modern commerce yet. And so they didn't have those three ingredients that make up basically all foods people eat nowadays. Like 80% of foods are made up of sugar, flour, oil. And they didn't have any of that. And they were just left to eat the natural foods and they were fine. So to skip ahead a little. I mean, I think you can eat any combination of natural foods and be fine. <laughs> really, you know, like if, in the highest level, if, if you're just eating whole foods from the land, which does not include bread, I don't think bread's going to kill you necessarily. But I mean, that's not a whole food. A lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I eat whole foods. Yeah, bread, pasta, you know, lean chicken. Like, no, that's not that's those aren't whole foods. Even lean chicken's not a whole food. You, you took out the good part. You took out the fat parts and the, you know, the gristle and the bits and pieces. So 
they um yeah they didn't have processed foods you can eat any combination of whole foods and be okay and that's what western price found and that's what other people even the china study it's like yeah they didn't have a lot of provinces didn't have tons and tons of animal foods these people couldn't afford animal foods but they're eating whole foods and they're they're getting what animal nutrition they could and they're okay and the real problem is these highly processed foods these refined ingredients just the sugar flour oil that came in and i'm talking about seed oils right i'm not talking about like a nice cold press olive oil that you know you could easily make for thousands thousands of years that is probably perfectly healthy or coconut oil you know these fruit oils are are fine avocado oil fr- uh, coconut olive I'm talking about all the other oils the seed oils right these are these highly refined unnatural ones like they're pressing corn and trying to you know in wheat germ you know wheat seeds and cotton seeds to try to get oil out of them it's it's terrible that's a whole nother podcast about how bad the seed oils are so they didn't have these and they were all fine and as soon as they came in to their diet instantly bad health like and that's what western price showed the the difference between the older brother who ate all the natural foods the younger brother got the new foods of commerce i think he called them just shorter, best up teeth, got sick all the time. It was just so clear to see this happen in real time. And he did travels for 10 years and he recorded all this stuff, photos. He did all kinds of little studies and data collecting. And it's amazing. So that's kind of the foundation of all, like how I arrived at this sapien diet or the human diet is just based on that. And it all checks out. Like I said, with modern science, it all checks out. It's like, what, what are the problems? It's the refined foods. And now we know why. It's because the refined foods, they're, well, refined, right? They're like ground up into basically dust. And that in, that flour, and if you have it, you know, added sugar and just unnatural versions of these foods, it affects your body differently. It affects your blood sugar and your insulin differently. It affects your hormones. It affects your gut. Uh, there's like gut irritants, you know, and then you actually like eat away and make your gut permeable and, and have problems or just how it affects your gut in that it, it absorbs quicker and causes, you know, higher blood sugar insulin. And so it's, with the seed oils, it's completely different type of fat. And it's a fat that our body doesn't want. and It, it doesn't work well. And there's, you know, a whole rabbit hole there. So if you avoid these foods, you s- seem to be okay. And if you, the more people, people eat them it's almost like a linear just exact linear um, correlation between how sick they get and maybe some people can last longer eating the refined foods and not get sick but uh, it, it really gets people in the long run so to to like actually just wrap it up it's the the ideal human diet to me is about eating animal foods as our foundation of nutrition, and then eating other whole foods around that, right? Based on your preferences, based on your culture, based on what you enjoy. And you can find all kinds of diets within that framework and be healthy, be happy, make it sustainable. But it's it's really just all based around the whole foods and the animal foods as the base though. That's like the big thing that's kind of opposite because I think so many people in the whole foods movement are on the plant-based side, right? They're like, oh yeah, yeah, whole food. And then forever, for decades, it's always been, yeah, 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 but, and then avoid meat. <laughs> you know, they're like, whole foods is good and I'm nodding and then they're like, yeah, yeah, and then avoid meat. And I'm like, no, you missed it. <laughs> that, that's the foundation of nutrition. And some people, and 
animal foods are so powerful in their in their nutrients and absorbable bioavailable nutrients that someone can be plant-based and then just eat some oysters once a week and survive and be okay because you just got so many nutrients from those oysters and then they say oh i'm plant-based plants are miracles um, all animal foods are terrible but I, yeah and i do eat a little oysters and i'm saying that is the foundation of your nutrition and you're ignoring it and you're not giving it credit that that vitamin B12 and iron and copper and zinc and all these amazing things you got from those oysters is the fact it's propping you up and you're pretending that it's just something that you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I just like to eat oysters once a week. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this is a an, an important thing to consider is how can someone, because... So yes, whole foods and animal-based whole foods. And then the issue comes of industrial agriculture and the way that animals in the industrial society are processed and raised and treated. And to me, in a way, when I think of buying a steak, for example, from a, just a general supermarket, the life that that animal has had and the poisons and the toxins and the, the fear that that animal has lived in, like that to me almost doesn't even feel like a whole food. Uh, it just has so much wrong with it. So I guess the question I have is, is it possible and how is it possible to feed the world a high quality animal-based diet? And and even more specifically, how could the listener go about getting animal-based, animal foods that are regenerative and, and, and integrated into a system that actually supports life rather than destroying it? Yeah, that is the next question. And it kind of goes down level one level deeper too, which is, okay, now what specifically can I buy and eat of that? Because there still is more story of even, well, there's better whole foods than other whole foods. But we'll put that aside for now is, well, there's better meat than other meat. And I think that actually chicken and pork are way worse across the board if you're buying it from a supermarket. I'd say the first thing people can do is not buy supermarket chicken and pork. Those pigs and those chickens are in gigantic warehouses. It's just the worst of the worst. You're getting the worst feed, the most glyphosate, the most pesticides in their feed. Everything about it is a nightmare. At least with cows, they are out on pasture for the first two-thirds of, two of their life before they go to the feedlot, right? So it, it, it's not as bad, and cows have different stomachs that actually can digest different types of foods. There's a long story with cows, but absolutely you you want to try to eat the best possible meat and have the animal have a good life. And I do think that it matters, even with the stress. You mentioned stress and fear and all that stuff. That does matter. The meat tastes different and it, it's tougher. If they are stressed out, there are more hormones on it. Like if you get scared, you have more hormones in your body, right? And 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 it's like the same thing with the animals and that and it's and it's not good. So hundred percent we need to eat better meat. And, but I, I also like, I, I say, this is just my opinion, is if you're looking at a box of mac and cheese, you know, some kind of like processed food or a supermarket beef, I'd still go for the, the ground beef in the supermarket because I think that's gonna give you way better nutrition than the processed foods. But everyone should very actively try to get the better quality stuff. And it's not impossible to get. I'm, I actually just talked to a girl. I was on the phone with someone helping me with some project. She's like, yeah, I drove an hour and I got 
a whole bunch of meat from a, straight from the rancher. It was like $7 a pound. And I knew who raised it and it was great and it wasn't a feedlot and it's, you know, everything about it was, was way better than the supermarket. And it was actually cheaper, really. Because if you just go to the supermarket, like a steak could cost $10 a pound and then maybe ground beef could be $4 a pound. But anyway, you know, you can, you can average it out and it can be cheaper to go get it from the farmer. And especially with eggs, I'd say eggs too. That's the first thing people can do. Go to your farmer's market. I lived in Los Angeles, right? I was talking about living in LA. There was like 10 farmer's markets around me in LA. And this is a concrete jungle, yet I could still get the really good eggs. If you're going to put your money into a small thing that isn't much more, what is it? It's like, okay, it's like $4 at the supermarket and it's like $7 for the real eggs, like the really good eggs that I buy now. Who cares? <laughs> That's like $3 and I'm getting amazing eggs with probably twice the nutrition in them and with chickens that were out on pasture eating natural bugs and bits and pieces and, and you know, whatever. So I would start there, start with just going to farmer's markets. It seems like hard. I don't know. I used to think it was hard. I used to think it was like kind of wacky. It's like, oh, I don't want to be a farmer's market person or something. You know what I mean? You just have, or it's like, it doesn't fit in your routine. It's like, yeah, but I live right next to the Safeway and I just go to the Safeway and I get my eggs and I go home. I'm like, yes, I used to believe that too. And then I realized it's just a process of change is hard, right? The first couple of weeks, you're like, okay, I got to go to the farmer's market. And then you just do it. And now you're someone who just ends up at the farmer's market every Saturday. <laughs> and it's part of your, your fun. It's part of your life. And that, that extends to the food too. Almost everyone I talk to, they're like, I like to eat this. Or like, this is what I eat. I was like that too. I grew up in Hawaii. I'm like, I eat rice with every meal. Not even that rice is that bad, actually. I kind of came around full circle on, <laughs> on like a, a good, clean white rice. It's like, oh, I make white rice with bone broth. It's actually good. Uh, but I would just eat processed foods with whatever, tortillas, bread, every meal. And I just, people like, this is what I do. This is my habits. And it seems so hard to change. And people have told me, but there's nothing I can eat. I can't eat anything. Every, you know, you're telling me I can't eat anything. Like, it is going to be just as good or better on the other side. You just have to get to the others, right? You have to just make that habit change. The habit change could be hard, right? It's I'm not saying it's like the easiest thing in the world, but just know that when you get there, you're going to be just as satisfied, if not more. It's just as delicious, if not more. Do you, you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people are afraid of this change because they think, oh, but this is what I do and this is what I like and this is going to suck. I'm not going to like it. That's not true. Totally. There's a, I mean, there is a discomfort in change. Our brain, no matter how bad the thing is for us, the brain loves a pattern and loves a habit. And I, I think there's a, something that came up while you were speaking, which is that convenience has a price. That it's not this idea of just, oh, I just go here because it's easier and it's closer, et cetera. It's like, that's fine, but that you are paying for that somewhere. I heard someone speak about it years ago. And actually, it was kind of funny because he, was, he ran a very successful um, raw vegan restaurant called Cafe Gratitude. And I was listening to an interview with him when oh, I was yeah. like, when I was deep in that world. And, uh, but he said something amazing to me because the interviewers asked him, the interviewer said, you know, the issue people have with these kind of diets is like, it's more expensive. And so the guy said, listen, 
you always pay somewhere. So either you pay less now so you can get cheaper food that's full of glyphosate and pesticides, and that applies to plant and animal foods, uh, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then then he said, or you can pay later for your hospital bills and your doctors and your operations and your medication and 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 a destroyed earth and poisoned water and like... You know, you have th- those are your choices. Th- there's no escaping the choice that you either choose the convenience now and you pay less in some physical, like some actual monetary term, but you will pay for that later, or prioritize the money now, prioritize the resources now, and then enjoy the results of a, a healthy, joyful life now. A hundred percent. And yeah, I mean, I agree with vegans in a lot of ways, you know, it's like that. that yeah, is, me too. I can see how that's, yeah, like a vegan talking point. That's my talking point. We're actually agreeing a lot of things, you know, it's like we all want a healthy world and we want to be healthy ourselves and we want to eat food that we enjoy and everything. They just kind of go about it the wrong way. You know, they've just arrived at a different conclusion. And, and I just, I don't think that's correct. I think a lot of the, it's like sort of like shortcuts and stunted thinking in the vegan world, right? Where they, if you look at the top level view, it's like, it's just like, oh, killing something's bad. And like, you know, eating, it's like, why eat the animal that eats the plant when you could just eat the plant directly? You know, why the middleman, right? These are these simplistic arguments that sound good on the surface, and you, they, until you look deeper, right? And then they, they actually all fall apart. And that's kind of what my journey's been is because I used to, well, I was never vegan, like I said, but I used to think according to the standard guidelines. I was like, yeah, you're supposed to eat your whole grains. You got to eat your lean chicken and your broccoli. And that's what you eat. How the hell have we ended up in such a such a bad place dietarily as a society? You know, like our trusted institutions I mean, I think you may have even shared this one. I know Carnivore MD shared it. And also um, I saw Metabolic Mike. I don't know if you know of him, but a few of the people I enjoy and follow shared this piece from America because I'm in South Africa. You know, I, I wouldn't know about this mm. otherwise, but it was this, this these new dietary guidelines that have been put out, like listing things from most recommended to least recommended. And literally the three bottom things the least recommended, like avoid if possible, as I think meat, de- uh, whole milk, and and eggs, and like in the top three most recommended, or top five is is like Cheerios is one of them or something like that. Like how the fuck are we in such a bad situation as a society? Do you have any sense of like where the what the what went wrong? <laughs> oh, I do. Oh, I do. <laughs> and I did a presentation about it, and it was called exposing the trillion dollar agenda against red meat. And I think it is more than money, but it's a lot about money. And also the Food Lies documentary series will go into all this six parts and kind of show how we got here. But a lot Is that out now? Just so, is that like available? Can I, okay. Just the intros online on the YouTube, uh, Food Lies YouTube channel. Really, really powerful three and a half minute intro. It took us quite a long time. I watched that man, it's beautiful. It's super awesome. I'll, I'll definitely link that in the show notes for anyone listening. Thank you. Yeah, it was great. But that's all we got so far. And we're trying to finish it. So yeah, we're trying to finish by the end of the year. We have a small team, no budget. So it's hard. So a lot of it's about money. A lot of it's about power control. It's kind of just the story of the world. Like wh- what world do we live in now? 
we live in a world controlled by the top 0.001% of people that want to keep their power money control. And I always try to go to like the deepest level of things, like the base level, like how, like why, why you keep asking why till you get to the, the basic, basic level. And I've kind of gotten there on two things. One is actually going back to hunter gathers, like Dunbar's number of like, once we've gone away, we, we evolved to be in groups of like 30 to 150 people. And that's how we thrive. And once we get, went into hundreds of thousands of people to millions of people, it just falls apart. It's like there's this inherent problems with humans trying to organize in numbers bigger than 150. And so like if you get to the absolute root of it, that's what's going on. It's like there, there are people out there trying to rule at the world level, you know? Like, I don't know, I, I'm not, I, don't, I don't think there's like this secret cabal and they're all on the same page and everyone's like coordinated. But I think th there's a lot that is coordinated and there, is, there are some people at the very top that on a worldwide scale that are pulling strings. And it's, it's kind of just taking advantage of human dynamics and how it's just so hard to operate this uh, once we get past what we're, you know, what we lived through forever. And another kind of basic truth when you get down to the very, very small level or, ba or, or root, root cause, like ground level, is the fact that processing plant foods is very profitable. A lot of alliteration there. Profit Processing plant foods is very profitable, right? So people figured that out back in the Egyptian days, right? When you first figured out agriculture, we went from egalitarian societies where everyone's pretty equal and men and women were pretty equal and it was just tribal living and all that and everything was great, kind of. I mean, I'm sure they had warring tribes and this and that. But it went from that to, oh, wait, we can tax this grain, we can pile it up and I can build silos and keep it and, and accumulate wealth. And, you know, next thing you know, you have pharaohs and slaves, right? And so it's this power dynamic. And, and so it really goes back to that, well, plant foods are highly profitable to process. And animal foods, it's like you can raise them yourself and you can get great nutrition and you can be fine. And it's hard to tax them and it's hard. You can't store them. It's not like, you know, meat doesn't last long, especially when we didn't have refrigeration, right? Animal foods could always be kind of just owned by individual people. But when you can process down plant foods and make a huge profit on it, that tells the whole story. And you can zoom ahead. Okay, well, I always use my example because my company, I, I try to just sell meat. I make no profit margin, right? There's no money to be made. It all goes to the ranchers and all the other things that gets it to people. If, you, if I wanted to make money, I could, I could make a process plant bar or a, maybe I could do like a keto bar, right? That uses some cheap like palm oil and like protein powder and make a bar. Then I could sell it for, you know, $3 a bar and it maybe cost me like 30 cents to make, right? So that's the profit margin. That's where it comes from. All of this stuff ha came, all this insane information and backwards society we have comes from that profit margin. Because with that 10, well, you know, round numbers, 10x profit margin compared to you know, maybe like you could make like 30 cents off something similar with meat. You can get lobbying, you get marketing campaigns, you get advertising, you get paying for studies, you get everything. Everything that goes on in our society is either based on or perpetuated by the big industries that make so much money, that have so much power and profit margin that they can do that. 
right? The biggest companies. Have you seen those web, those photos of the the web of like who owns the, all the food supply? Dude, I have, and I will absolutely. If anyone hasn't seen one of those, I'll link to it as well. I'll share something in the show notes. It's it's staggering. There's like six companies that own the world. Like every food product you've ever heard of is just by like six companies. And guess who funds all the studies that say, oh, yeah, pasta is healthy. You look at the study, Barilla, <laughs> Barilla funded the study, like the world's biggest pasta maker. You know, it, it's just, it's wild. Same thing with the pharmaceuticals. It's like all these people, these giant corporations are in cahoots. They fund the studies, they, they write the text. You know, it's like, who, who do you think funds like all of the medical system? And then where did these, all these, this research come from that guides the whole programs and the institution, you know, the, the curriculum, it's all got it. And you can read about this stuff. This is the rabbit hole I went down in the past two and a half years. When I looked into like, how did these big systems get created? And I had a friend that he's been out of the matrix for 16 years now. And he kind of guided me down and he's showing me these things, reading, you know, primary source material stuff. Like just, you, you look back at history for a hundred years. You, I mean, a lot of it just happened um, around like 1900 to 1960. You could expand that to, he, he, he says, yeah, maybe 1870, 1970. All this stuff happened and was like solidified. And like, it, it, it was all these big, big families with big money, big institutions that guided our system. Like examples of Rockefellers and kind of guiding the medical system. And there's documentaries about this. I don't know if you've seen these little kind of documentaries about the Rockefeller, how they, they basically, any natural medicine, they basically coined the term quackery to discredit natural medicine. And they pretty much guided with, you know, millions and millions of dollars what we have today, which is farm, just pharmaceuticals and surgeries and this whole sick care system. So, yeah, do you, have you seen that clip? Yeah, man. I mean, I, I haven't seen the documentary. I have read a bit about what you're talking about. And I think... It's so interesting because the <laughs> interesting is one of the words I say too much. For anyone who listens to this podcast regularly, they're probably like, that guy says interesting too much, but it is interesting. Anyway, I'm working yeah, on it. Yeah. I'm working on it. But um, but one of the things that I I realize, I, th I think it's coming from is, is this chronic disconnection from reality that has been in our society for a really long time. And, and what I mean by that is, how could someone be so stupid as to think that like say the head of the Rockefeller family or, or these people who are doing these things they've been doing, like we are all nature. Nature is us. We all came here to have a, an integrated experience. Does it make their experience of life that much better to be so greedy and so disconnected and to hurt so many people? I don't think so. And actually my last guest was uh, Mariah Ganesha from the Four Visions Market. And she works closely with indigenous peoples in the Amazon and South America and, and helps and is helping to get their projects and their lives funded so that they can afford to keep sharing these plant medicines and natural medicines and natural ways. And I see that as my, my hope and my dream is that more and more people can start to reconnect to these, to what it means to be homeo sapien, which, which is basically this connected into our actual evolutionary directives and, and find ways to realign because I don't know who those people are, but I just can't imagine being that stupid or greedy it just seems ridiculous <laughs> you know i think that too and and my friend i don't i'm not saying that he's like the end all be all and all of this stuff but his view is that they're kind of forced into it it's kind of just like they 
they've passed down this power and they don't know any other way. And it's just, it's just how they are. I don't think there's like inherently evil people out there. Kind of. I think everyone kind of thinks that they're doing a good thing. Right. I, I use example like the CEO of Monsanto thinks he's doing great. He's like, oh, I'm getting uh, seeds out to the world. I'm helping people <laughs> eat, you know, and, and like, yeah. I don't think he like goes to sleep thinking he's a bad person. So th- th- I think part of it is, yeah, there's just a different reality. And I, maybe it goes back to that Dunbar's number, 150 people. And like, you know, once we get to the, these seven, eight billion pr- people on the planet, you're going to have the people who just, they've been born into the system and they think that they have this right to be, you know, control the people and like make decisions on the highest level. And actually the, this, this whole idea of the greater good always gets kind of thrown into this mix, right? And I don't, and it really, it never works. What's for the greater good is never good for the individual. <laughs> and everyone I know is interested in individual health. And I want to individually be healthy and my family to be healthy. And I want individually to make money, you know what I mean? And, and like be successful. And everything that's passed down from the, the top is supposedly for the greater good, which always doesn't work. And so, yes, I think they, even with the last two and a half years, it's, it's pushed on us as like, this is for the greater good. But that is like kind of co-opted uh, for their interests, kind of. But then it's also where they hide behind, oh, but I'm doing something good for the masses. And I am special because I, you know, was born into this and I'm, you know, someone's got to rule the world or, you know, rule the people and I'm one of them. And we're going to do for the greater good. You know, Bill Gates supposedly, you know, <laughs> does things for the greater good. Right. right. It's like, I am going to do this and feels very self-important right. by doing that. Right. And then, but it's like, is it for the greater good? And that's what I don't think it ever is. And I think it's, it's, that's what I'm saying. It's like co opted. It's like this fake smokescreen type of thing. It's like, we're going to do this for the greater good, but it's actually just lining my pockets or like it's actually just making it easier for us to kind of just like control people. Well, I think you said something earlier, and actually it's come up a few times, is around this, and I forget the word you used for it, but this idea that we are designed to be in small groups. And I think that that's actually one of the solutions that I see being really effective. Because it's it's one thing to know the, the Bill Gates of the world and the, the Rockefellers and the people in power who are doing what they do with the best. I, do, I also kind of think the best intentions, they really do. They're like, everyone's the hero of their own story, basically, is everyone's trying to do good according to their, their idea of it. But clearly, it's, it's not helping most of us what they're doing. So this idea of basically localization. My, my first guest on the podcast was, was Tara Couture of Slowdown Farmstead. And I just love that woman so much. I, I, she's such a representation. I, do you know uh, Tara at all? Oh, my! do I know Tara? I, <laughs> she is my favorite human. Uh, sh- I filmed, she's in the film. Uh, I awesome. feel like I... I brought her to the world actually because I oh, wow. put her on her first podcast ever. And ever since then, she's been 
out there in the world doing amazing things. That's so cool. That's amazing. Cause I, yeah. So I, anyway, my mom introduced me to us a few years ago and on Instagram and we, we, we became friends. It's just like, anyway, I love what she, and, and in our chat, the thing she talked about a lot was, or, or really focused on was localization. And I think this idea of, okay, who are the hundred, 150 people, businesses, entities that I'm interacting with in my world? And are they aligned with health and sovereignty and connection and joy and playfulness and like all the things that I care about and I want more of in my life and really like turning that gaze in that direction of localization and then empowerment within local communities because at the end of the day if if enough of us actually formed really strong and beautiful small scale communities with it's like mycelium like we each become a node within the mycelial network we don't need to rule the world we just need to as you say be individuals who take care of the self so that then we can be within our community and have a good time doing it basically this is perfect because i realized i didn't answer part of your question earlier how do we feed the world and this ties into exactly what you just said so i was kind of I never thought of it this way. Maybe I was talking to Tara. Maybe I was talking to this other guy, Dr. Gary Fetke. He's a great guy out of Australia. To feed the world, we don't need to do it at the at the high level. That's where it all goes wrong. That's where Bill Gates drops off sacks of grain to Africa and thinks he's right. feeding the world and he's just making them sicker, just giving them more nutrient-poor, calor- empty-calorie garbage covered in Monsanto glyphosate. How you feed the world is everyone feeds their own community. If you feed your community, if you feed, yeah, it doesn't even have to be 150. I, I was mentioning Dunbar's number. Dunbar's number just, you know, he's a scientist that discovered that it's about 150 people that we can kind of keep track of as humans and socialize with. Uh, above that, it's just, you, you can't really do it. So if we feed our community, which could be 5,000 people, it could be a village, we and everyone was a part of feeding their own community, you just fed the world, (laughs) right? Like, why do we have to do it at the top level? How about everyone feeds their own community and then we did, by de facto, we just fed the world. And that can be done with regenerative agriculture and growing animals and plants correctly and holistic management. There's been math done and there's enough land I know you're in South Africa. Well, Africa is a huge place. Maybe it's not all super perfect soil and like, you know, good climate and all that. Fly over the US. It is just countless millions of acres of land. Not all of it's super usable, but again, there are millions of acres of usable land and people have done the math. If you do holistic management, you can grow plants and animals together. There's all kinds of stuff you can do. I interviewed Gabe Brown. If you've heard of this guy, there's Joel Salatin, who you know of. There's there's all these people who are doing it in smaller areas. Gabe Brown's doing it on 5,000 acres. He's not doing it on a tiny piece of land. 5,000 acres, he's not. He's doing no-till farming. He's doing plants and animals together. You know, We have cover crops. He has like the animals come in here and then the cows can eat this and we can plant this later. And then this. it's a whole system and it works. And he's getting huge production out of these 5,000 acres. That's more than what you can do otherwise. Right now, like you said, it's kind of like a shortcut of like you buy the cheap food now, but you pay later. It's kind of like that with the with growing food. It's a total shortcut where you try to grow millions of acres of corn, wheat, and soy. You're just stealing from the soil 
that, you know, we're not replenishing at all. It's actually more than a shortcut. It's, it's just like a one-way road to being screwed <laughs> and not having any nutrients in the soil or even soil left. And so, yeah, it's sort of a shortcut system to do monocropped agriculture because you're just relying on these inputs and fake fertilizers and just one row upon row of same crop. It's a shortcut. What, what you need to do is the Joel Salton, Gabe Brown method. Takes a little longer, right? It's not like, yeah, you can just do it overnight. No, it takes years to change your practices, do the holistic management. Alan Savory is a great guy from now. He, he's over South Africa area, not exactly South Africa, I think. But um, he sort of popularized and developed holistic management over the past like 30, 40 years. And it it's not easy, but it just takes planning and you just use plants and animals together. You use, you know, animals actually help the soil. Uh, it's kind of the opposite, right? It's like we're saying the whole, everything's the opposite. People are talking about animals, especially ruminant animals, cows, sheep, buffalo, bison. Like they say these animals are bad. This is the exact opposite. They are good for the land. He's for 40 years has been teaching people how to these. It's called desertification. It's like you can reverse desertification with animals on the land. It, they actually help. They put carbon back in the soil. They put fertilizer back in the soil. They give life back to the soil. So basically what I'm saying is using animals holistically and growing techniques and doing all of these things, we can certainly feed the world because... That's how the world's always existed. Where, where do you think all these ruminant animals came from and all these grasslands came from, right? They, they co-evolved together, these bison, tens of millions of bison across the US. And they, they made this, this huge fertile soil and grasslands. That's kind of their job, right? This is how nature works. So yes, we can feed the world. The, the math has been done. I mean, not everyone maybe is going to eat like Sean Baker's diet <laughs> where he's eating like three ribeyes a day or whatever he does. Or like, yeah, Paul Saladino, my buddy. <laughs> no, I love these guys. Metabolic Mike. Oh man, these guys are the best. Um, you, you maybe, yeah, but not everyone wants to do that. Not everyone wants to eat just like pounds and pounds of meat per day. Not everyone has to, but we can do it. We can we can eat a nutritious diet and feed the world with a combination of well managed plants and animals. I mean, as you're speaking, I'm getting this this image in my head of how someone could gather their local people, how much power we have when we take the people we love, we get together, we make a conscious choice and we start to support or even take the extreme step of like, okay, let's get enough people together to buy some land that we could start to turn into something different. And like, if that, if people around the world really take action on, on these kind of visions on realizing that the land wants to regenerate and that if we take care of it, it will take care of us. This idea of like, well, yes, okay, the money in the short term is a challenge, but in the long term, if we're taking care of the land so that we're getting really high quality food from it and we're spending our time with the people that we love outdoors in nature, moving our bodies, like it's kind of the need for money or the need to be working so much within a system that is so extractive, that need decreases as we take better care of our land and so better care of our animals, which then is better care of ourselves. It's there's such a beautiful thread that I hear in what you're saying and this idea that 
we don't need to save the world or we don't need to feed the world. We just need to feed the people we love and care about around us. And then everybody who hears this needs to do that and things change. And we're done. And we just fed the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's so true. Everyone I know is into this concept and has this dream of getting some land and getting together and not making it some like commune or something, you know, I, I don't think that's what pe it, people can, you know, they can live on their own property and they can, you know, rally behind, you know, one area and just group around one area and yeah, make things happen. It's not, I, yeah, I don't want it to be a commune. Right. Or well, like a the, cult. But the thing is that, that in a way, if we, th there's a beautiful saying, and there's a guy, Farmer Angus here in South Africa, if you, if you haven't oh. yet, he came here to Austin. He no. came to my house. We did a podcast. Dude, yeah. that's so rad. Yeah, he's going to come on the podcast at some point as well. I mean, he, we lived quite close to him for a while, so we were getting kind of all our, most of our meat from him. Uh, but I, I just lost track because I was so excited about how that's so cool that you <laughs> met him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, what was it that I was thinking now? It was, we, oh, yes. We are all farmers by proxy. He has that quote on his farm door, like as you go to his kind of factory shop, we are all farmers by proxy. So what that means is that people are already living in a community somewhere, whatever that suburb is, wherever they are, and they all go probably to the same supermarkets. So they're already in some kind of a community that is choosing unconsciously to support some kind of an agriculture. And so this idea, I, I so agree that there's such a bad rap around like the idea of having land and, and, and taking care of it. It's like, uh oh, this is definitely heading in a cult direction. But there is another way where people do have this, their homes where they live and then consciously share, uh, what's the word, stewardship of some specific piece of land and just do it more directly. Be more directly a farmer. And that could be, like you say, going to more farmers markets. At least then you've taken out so many of the steps of that agricultural chain where instead of the food having to go through all these different processes to get to you, it's literally the farmer grows it and cuts it down or slaughters it and packages it and you buy it straight from them at the market. Like that's already a way better option. So yeah, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> Yeah, Farmer Angus is a man. He's doing it. And yeah, I love that. Like, we're, like we're already making choices right now. And you're vo voting with your dollar. That's like a common phrase, right? You're voting with your dollar. Yeah, some people are voting with their dollar to just support Walmart. Or, you know, I don't know if you guys know, like these chain stores. You just yeah. go to the chain store, you're just supporting the chain system. And and yeah, and you, yeah, you don't all have to live on the same land. But we can... We can all, yeah, get from the right people or, yeah, m maybe move out of town. I like that. Like, maybe we can live in, in, nearby at least this land. And then you feel more of a connection to the stewardship of the land and, like, why you want to buy from this person because you are actually part of that community. And, yeah, I think at one point you are saying we're just so disconnected from nature and from everything. And, and that is another one of these big underlying reasons of why our society is so messed up. It's like, if you're complete, and I think it's guided that way. I think it's designed to be super disconnected. Like everyone gets in the cities, get your VR helmet on, you know, <laughs> you use the TikTok and just buy the vegan burger, buy, you know, eat the bugs. Like there's this whole thing that's like kind of headed down this direction and it's like going away from nature. And everyone I know, and probably, you know, is the opposite. They're like, how do I reconnect with nature? Because the more you, you disconnect from nature, the more things go sideways. And it's like, if you don't think about, if you're just 
disconnected from nature, then you're just like, oh, well, I just bought the pack of chicken from the grocery store. It's like, who cares? I don't know. It's just like, it's just a pack of chicken in like a little box. <laughs> and then, you know, and you don't think about it. But then once you like reconnect with nature and you, you snap out of the matrix, then you're like, oh, wait, wait, this chicken like walked around. You know, this, this chicken had a life. It did it eat, but like, was it in a warehouse or did it eat bugs? And then you're like, then you, so if you, you do connect with nature and kind of like wake up to being a human again, you're, you're like, oh, of course I have to buy the farmer's Angus, farmer Angus stuff. You know what I mean? Like that's, it changes your own mindset. And then it actually, this is a cool part. It doesn't feel expensive anymore. It doesn't feel like as much of a burden and people have told me this and I've, I've felt the same thing. It's like, I want to give my money to this farmer. I love paying $7 for eggs now. It's like, take my money, take it. You're doing great. I, it's not like I'm like, oh man, I got to go pay $7 for eggs. You completely lose that feeling because you are more connected with it. You're supporting the right system. And yeah, that, it's amazing. Well said. I, I couldn't agree more. There's a, there's a beautiful feeling in knowing that to the best of my ability, I am prioritizing purchases that empower the people I care about, the world that I care about, the world that I want to see more of. Like that is a very powerful thing. And actually, this brings us to kind of my last question, which is, what does it mean to you? And what do the words to you mean when I ask, when I say to you that we are already free? Oh, yeah. Well, to me, I mean, it really goes along with what we've been talking about of getting out of the matrix. And I don't know if that's what everyone says. But to me, it's like the easy answer. But I mean, that's exact. like immediately we're already free means we we all. Yeah, we all are homo sapiens. We are all free beings that come from nature and want to live in nature and want to get sunlight and eat real food. And not everyone knows that that's what they are. And like we already free is to me just you, you come out of the matrix and you realize that it's just like a simple thing. It's like, oh, I am already free. I am this homo sapien that's just been living in a box in a city and eating the food that the commercials on the TV have told me to eat and the doctors have told me are going to be healthy. And that we, you just have to wake up and be like, oh, well, that wasn't. That, that's not reality that and yeah i think so many people that's like this idea of sheep you know it's like you call people sheep it's like like they, the people who are sheep they don't know that they are already free and that they just need to shift their mindset a little bit wake up a little bit maybe do a little research which takes a while you know it's not like in one day you can just be like everything all the doctors are wrong that's too big right to like yeah. <laughs> you know like to, to yeah. go against like all of everything you've ever heard is wrong you're it takes a lot of research takes a lot of undoing but i think that's what happens uh to everyone i know at least and they yeah to say it one more time they realize they they were free all along they just didn't know it well, thank you for your time, Brian, and thank you for your work, for, for putting the word out about this and, and being so courageous and, and yeah, just also honoring the, the loss that, in, that prompted this. That, that's a huge thing to have navigated and it's a tough thing to have gone through and I really just honor that, that so often I think for so many of us to remember that we are already free, it takes losing something, it takes a breaking 
Um, so thank you for that. And just a final question is, where can the listener find you now and follow you further? Yeah, Food Lies. I just search for Food Lies anywhere, Instagram, YouTube, whatever. I'm there. Even just search the internet and find the website for the film. And I just try to do content every day on, on these different platforms, which are actually just trying to censor me the whole time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've gotten all the warnings, I've gotten the strikes on YouTube, I've gotten all those things. But you know what? Where else are people going to go to listen to stuff? So search it, Food Lies. And yeah, that's about it. I'll keep it easy. Great stuff. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, yeah, I just really appreciate what you're doing in the world. Thanks, brother. All right. Thank you. Thank you again to Brian Sanders. It was a real pleasure to have you on the show. And you can find links to Brian and Food Lies and all the things we talk about just by going to the show notes on your podcast app or more directly at alreadyfree.me forward slash zero one one. If you're ready to take this relationship to the next level, I deeply and sincerely invite you to join the We Are Already Free community and academy where you can chat with other listeners from around the world, comment directly on the episode show notes, ask questions, find all the show notes with links and really are beautifully laid out so it's easy to find all this information and, and take action. I think this is such an important thing now is that combining this sense of, of consuming, which is a beautiful and natural part of being alive is consuming, taking in. And now what do you feel? What is the action that you take based on what you now have consumed, what you've taken in? What is that? Well, how do you energize your life? So I really invite you to, to check out the show notes, go to alreadyfree.me forward slash zero one one, and you'll find a link there where you can become a member and access a bunch of really awesome stuff for a once or fee of $7, only $7. I, I think it's really fair. And it's also, it helps me keep the lights on here at, at we are already free and goes towards funding this this beautiful offering of remembrance to to you to me to all who listen so again more info is at alreadyfree.me forward slash zero one one that is a once-off fee you can also if you so choose join the more in-depth community where you'll access any of the courses that i'm releasing like the morning practice challenge to help you get your morning practice started you can also access the live breath work and heart songs events and the community chats and we're going to start a book club at some point so loads of really cool stuff happening there and all of it is available as i've said already free.me forward slash zero one one and yeah i'm doing this because i really feel like it's like what do we do with all of this okay i remember i'm already free so what is what do i do what is the action that i take and where are the other people like me around the world as we've talked about in this episode we we need to create these nodes these like mycelial nodes of connections and communities around the world who are taking action in the direction of being already free of being food sovereign and energy sovereign and life sovereign I mean, we really are rebirthing reality at this point. So I just am creating this space that is in support of all of us so that we can all do this together because often I felt so isolated and alone and I just so enjoy coming together. So things like breath work, like good, powerful stories, practices, book clubs, like 
oh, just just doing it all together, basically. So anyway, I'm going to leave you there. It's been amazing to share this week's episode with you. And, and thank you as well. After last week's episode, really just amazing the abundance that poured in of new clients and members in the community and just the sense of like, wow, it's okay to ask for help, but it's okay to support each other and be in this together. So thank you. Thank me. Thank us. Uh, what a blessing. Thank you for another week of remembering that we are already free together. I'll see you next week, lovely listener.